Good morning. It's good to see you. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be looking at a few scriptures there here shortly. I read this quote the other day by the writer Graham Brown. Life is about choices. Some we regret, some we're proud of, some will haunt forever. We are what we choose to be. And it's one of those quotes that we all can relate with because that's what we do. We make choices every day because our lives have been influenced from the good and the bad choices that we make. Researchers at Cornell University did a study and said that adults will make about 35,000 choices a day. And when I got to reading about that, and I thought, man, that just seems like a lot. Until I got to thinking of to the, the moment you wake up, you're making decisions, you're making choices, you're deciding whether I want to sleep another 30 minutes. Then you get up, you decided whether you want to have a bagel or you want to have waffles. Then you go and you start deciding your clothes, and that can be a challenge right there too, and our shoes. And then if you're going to work or you got to go to the gas station, you start deciding where you're going to get gas. And it goes on and on, and we're just constantly making choices all day until we go to sleep. And it's just like, you know, everywhere we do, we make choices. And every one of us made a choice to be here today. When it comes to spiritual choices... Paul puts it like this, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not to be unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, and discerning people. What Paul is describing here is the choices we make matter. So for the next few minutes, I would like to talk about faith in Jesus is a choice that we make that matters. Everyone in here puts, their, puts faith in something. You know, you put your faith in your parents. You're in school, you put your faith in your teachers that they're going to teach you what you need. You put your faith in your job because that's where you're bringing your home, the your revenue in coming from. If you're retired and you got investments, you start putting your faith in that. You put your faith in doctors. We put our faith in our spouses. And a lot of times we put our faith in ourselves, believing that, you know, we can take care of what we need to do. But to put our faith in Jesus is different. Why? Because it requires a choice that impacts every aspect of our lives. We choose to put our faith in Jesus. Several elements I want to touch base today on to talk about that. The first element in faith in Jesus is hearing. Paul says in Romans chapter 10 verse 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So Paul makes it very clear. The faith begins right here with God. And from hearing his word and constantly listening to it, studying it, we begin to to grow in it. And then we start making, you know, knowledgeable decisions. We gain in that. And then we begin to internalizing it. 
choosing to apply the words to live by. So we, we take that, we, we internalize it, and that's important that we take God's words and, and, and chew on them, internalizing them, make it what we're deciding we're going to live our life on. And yet along the way, as we're growing in Christ, you know, all of a sudden we experience what Jesus says several times. Oh, you of little faith. Indicating that there are going to be times when our faith is weak. Just like the apostles. They, let, they had an understanding of God because they grew up in the Jew, as a Jew. And then they, sent, they went to the synagogue. And they studied and they learned that way. And yet we see much of what they thought they knew was misunderstood or misapplied with their faith in Jesus. For example... If you think about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching, and what does he say? You have heard it said, and then he goes on and talks about what they had heard it said. But then he goes, but I say. And even with the resurrection of Jesus, the apostles still had certain misunderstandings of what was going on. In John chapter 20, verse 9, it says, For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must raise be rise from the dead. There was a lot of things that they did not clearly understand. But one thing they did understand, who Jesus was. And it was there that they wanted to be around Jesus. They'd studied him. Yeah, they didn't know and understand a lot of stuff, but they made a choice. They wanted to be around Jesus. And, and so they started realizing that faith in Jesus is a choice that we make that matters. The second element of faith that I'd like to talk about in Jesus is trust. Trust is often used as an alternative word for faith, but really, actually, when you look at it, it is what faith is. As the apostles learn more about Jesus, just like we, we grow. And we continue to grow. And, and we, we, we continue to strive. But then there's choices that we have to make. The Bible tells us clearly things that we need to look at. Look what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. And for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, listen to what he says, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's about making choices. He says if you will put these in your life, you will take these. And when you study them and read them, put them in their, your life then what you're going to be is an effective and fruitful Christian. So it takes work. It takes work. It takes dedication. It takes time to get into the Bible and make it a point that we want to learn everything we can. So it makes time. We have to give up some things so we can get into Word. And it takes a lot of effort. And it takes a choice. We have to make that choice. 
to supplement our faith with the teaching of the Bible. Why? Because faith in Jesus is a choice that we make that matters. The third element of faith in Jesus is obedience. But, in, but as your trust and faith grows, more knowledge, also what should be is they desire to obey. If you got your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 7, look what it says right here in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these words or these sayings of mine and does them, I will, then I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and, and beat on the house, and it did not fall, but it was founded on the rock. See, Jesus right here is making it clear. We're going to struggle. We're going to have challenges in our life. We know life is not easy. We know life has its difficulties. But he's saying right here, even if it rains and it floods, you're going to be able to weather through it. Because he's making it clear, if you are one of his then obedience becomes extremely critical. The problem is, and I'm guilty of this, the problem is that often if we're not studying our Bible, we get busy doing a lot of different things. We've got a lot of stuff going on, and we just don't make the time to get into the Bible and study His Word. Then all of a sudden, we start running into hesitations about what we truly need to do. And Jesus needs us to know what we have to do. So when we study his words, so, you know, if we don't understand what's going on and if we're not making the effort, then we're not going to truly understand and apply them to our lives. And what Jesus does in this same section is he warns us. Look what he says in, in 26, verse 26. We're in Matthew chapter 7. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built the house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus gave us a little concept, you know, a little uh, contrast there. Basically, what it means to obey, what it means to try to study, and what happens when we get lazy and we're just not putting the time in. And if we're not applying it to our lives, then these things happen. I'm reminded what James 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 26 re says. Basically, I felt like it was reiterating what Jesus says. Faith without works is dead. So if you choose, you're just going to go through the motions as a Christian, thinking that, you know what, I'll just show up at the church and sit there and listen and do my part, check off the box that I'm here, I'm doing my things, then we need to beware because Jesus makes it very clear that you better do more than that. Because look what Jesus warns us. Look what he says in verse 21 here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus is making it very clear. I mean, he's making it very clear. We have a choice what we need to make. We have a choice to either get serious and make Jesus the priority and apply his words to our life, making it, making it a priority, then what he says is we're going to be in trouble. Because those who will enter into heaven will be those who do God's will. And the way God wants them done. And not the way that I believe they need to be done. Because often when we're not in the Bible, we're not studying, we're not, we're not trying to chew on it and understand what he's saying, then all of a sudden, what do we do? We start making our decisions on how God wants things to be done. And it's so easy when, we, when we're not sure what God desires of us that we assume that with God will just receive his approval because of our actions. And by simply saying the right things or saying doing the right things, from everything I'm reading here and studying, it doesn't mean that I'm going to get God's approval on that. We see this also with Peter. Turn with you would to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And this, this kind of lays out, if we don't have a clear understanding, sometimes we will make decisions or we'll make comments. We'll do things on our own. Look what, look what is said right here in Matthew chapter 16, that is, in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this should ever happen to you. <clears throat> At this time, what we see here is in verse 3, but he turned out and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, but you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. So what Jesus does right here, he reprimands Peter because Peter was speaking of things he didn't actually know. And, and Peter probably did thought, you know what? I didn't think anything bad about that. I was just trying to, to share with what I thought Jesus, and because he was not clearly understanding, was required of Jesus. So Peter spoke up. But it turns out Peter understood understanding was influenced, what it says right here, by Satan. Jesus knew Peter's focus had shifted on his own desires and plans. So Jesus rebuked him. Why? 
I think he rebuked him to get him back in, in place, to get him north so he is back on track. What I learned from this here is no one is immune from this. We can just as easily begin become an unwitting spokesman of, for Satan when we lose sight of God and, and his plans. For by focusing, for example, if we get away from that, we focus on other things such as our career. We start focusing on our possessions. We start focusing on our security. We start focusing on the things of the world that can take us off track what Jesus needs of us. And when we get off track, we start doing our thinking of what Jesus needs and what God wants on our own. So what do we do? What do we do when we start getting in that sense? We start getting a little bit off track. What do we do? I think one of the first things we have to do, we need to be aware of what we're saying, making sure that we are following what Jesus says, making sure that we are doing what Jesus says, making sure we understand what Jesus is saying. When we, be, when we are aware and making an effort to watch how we are Christian walk, and of course that's what we should do for each other, help making sure that we are on track because it is easy to get off track because we live in a world that wants you to get off track. So Jesus is saying, so what do we do? We be aware, we keep pushing, and we keep strengthening our faith. Why? Because faith in Jesus is a choice we make that matters. The, or, the fourth element of Jesus, having faith in Jesus, is don't lose the faith. Turn with me, would, to Luke, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. This is an interesting some scriptures right here we're going to look at. Luke chapter 22. Look what he says right here. We're in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I, pray, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go to, with you both to prison and to death. Up to this point, I'm sure Peter's faith, like the other apostles, is growing. He's getting a better understanding. He's feeling confident about being a disciple for Jesus. Even if Satan came, he was good to go. He was ready to go to prison. He was ready to die for Jesus. Why? Because he believed his faith was rock solid. And when you start getting to that point, Satan starts coming after you. Because I want you to think about this, and, and I, I got to think, what if Satan is asking about you? What if Satan is asking about me? What if he's asking about, I need Tim. Can I have Tim? Remember what happened with Job. But that's what we're seeing right here. Jesus is telling Peter, Satan is asking about you. So what if he's asking about me? I think that's a, that's a, 
that's a wake-up call. You know, because it, is, he's, it becomes personal in a sense. Because he is asking, and it makes a whole different picture. When I think about that, Satan is asking for Tim. Here is Jesus is telling Peter, and I, and I want you to think about this. Satan is not only asking about you, he's telling them. But Jesus is telling them, that, and, you know, and that has to be bad enough when you hear Satan is asking about you. But he wants to sift you like wheat. Isn't that the same as saying Satan is wanting to take you apart? He's wanting to destroy your faith. I don't want you to miss this right here. Jesus is not removing Peter's impending test from Satan. He's not taking that away from, from Peter. He's going to let Peter deal with Satan. He's not doing that, just like I think he would do with all of us. He allows us to do that. But he tells Peter, which I find is really interesting, and it's encouraging. He tells Peter, I'm going to pray for you. For what you're about to face from Satan, that you don't lose your faith, because I have a purpose for you. That's the message I believe Jesus is telling every one of us. I know you will stumble. I know you will deny me. I know that you will sin. That's why I died on the cross for you. I believe Jesus is praying every, for each one of us. And what I believe Jesus is praying us about is he's wanting to make sure that we make the choice that matters. To not lose our faith so we can move on. And that's what Peter, he's wanting him to keep his faith so he can move on from his sin and fulfill his purpose Jesus has for each one of them or for each one of us. Faith in Jesus is a choice we make that matters. The fifth element of faith in Jesus is don't give up your faith. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We all know what's going on here. John chapter 20, we read about an empty tomb. We read about Jesus has risen. We read about that Jesus is starting to be around the, the spending time with the disciples. But when I got to thinking about that and everything that was going on, I wonder just how many of these disciples are still carrying the guilt for abandoning Jesus when he was arrested in Gethsemane, we read in Mark chapter 14, verse 50. Or when they were agreeing with Peter when he told Jesus, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. We read in Mark chapter 14, verse 51 there. I think what's going on here is Jesus realizes they're probably carrying a lot of guilt. Now, that's just my assumption. But I can imagine that now he's starting to, everybody's starting to see him. You know, or Jesus starting to see everyone that is. And I'm sure they're thinking about it. I told you I would be with you, and yet I abandoned him. 
And I think right here is Jesus is needing to encourage them to get them past their guilt. So what does he do? He shows them more signs. Why? To get them to believe in him. Look, if you're in chapter 20 of John, look what he says in verse 30. And, and I want you to listen. And truly Jesus did, not, did make many other signs in the presence of the disciples. I mean, think about it. They've been spending all this time with Jesus. Now Jesus has gone to the cross. They abandoned him. So what does Jesus do? He starts showing them more signs of what was going on and, and which are not written in the book, it says here. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God and that it, believing you may have life in his name. And then he goes on in chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias in a way he showed himself. Doesn't it seem like maybe this wasn't sinking in? Because what happens when we read, continue reading 21? They all decide, let's go fishing. You know, that, that's the, that's the cure-all. You know, a lot of times when I'm having, I'm frustrated or whatever, what's the thing? Go out and do something. You know, go out and do something. And so here's what they were comfortable with. You know, at least the way I read this is just maybe it wasn't, you know, sinking in what Jesus was trying. So what does he do? They go out fishing. Well, they know they're not catching any fish, so somebody from the shore yells at them or says, hey, throw your net on the other side. Turns out to be Jesus. So they all end up going to the shore, and what does Jesus do? He fixes them breakfast with the fish they caught. And then we see in John 21, verse 20, it basically indicates that Jesus and Peter may have gone for a walk. And what we know is during that walk is when Jesus starts asking Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter's responding, you know I do. And then that third time he responds, he says, you know all. You know I love you. But then Peter hears these words. Follow me. It was at that time, after spending time with Jesus, he, Jesus told him, follow me. What did that mean? That means that Jesus was, forgave him. It's time to move on. It's time to move on there. So he's excited. Jesus says, you know what? Follow me. The denial is past him. But one of the things I want to just add this in a little bit. It's hard to truly move on when you've known you've sinned, you know you've made mistakes, you know, until you forgive yourself. You know, I, I can forgive I don't really ever have that I can recall, and I'm not an issue with forgiving people. What I have a hard time with is forgiving me. It becomes hard. I can accept Jesus' forgiveness, but I can't forgive myself. But when we do, and I think that's what's happened with Peter, when he does forgive himself, 
what does Peter do? He goes on to be exactly what Jesus said he would do. He spent the rest of his life fulfilling the purpose that Jesus had for him. Why? Because faith in Jesus is the choice that Peter made that mattered. You know, it would be wonderful if all who doubted, all who denied, and all who abandoned Jesus, you know, would be returned. It, it could come back to him. But sadly, one apostle, Judas Iscariot, did not experience the forgiveness available to him like the others. Turn with me, you would, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> Look what he said in verse 1. Luke chapter 9. Then he called all 12 disciples. So we know Judas is there. He calls all 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, and he said to them, and he goes on to tell them, leave your cloak, don't do all that. But look what he says in verse 10. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. You know what? Judas was given these powers. He was witnessing Jesus' miracles. He spent time with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He laughed with Jesus. Probably joked around with Jesus. But that was not enough to change Judas. When we look at John chapter 12, and you don't need to turn, but when we look there, we hear the story about Mary pouring expensive oil on Jesus' feet. Well, who's the one that jumps up and starts complaining? Judas. He goes, can we not take that money that we're spending there and spend it on the poor? Well, you know what? When you go in and read verse 6, this describes who Peter or who Judas is. Not because he cared about the poor, for he never cared about them, but because he was a thief. And since he had the money box serving as a treasure for the 12 disciples, he used to pilfer what was put in it. I can imagine... That Judas has been a thief for a long time. He probably felt, why do I need to change? I got a good thing going on here. You know what? I have access to the money, and I'm there with Jesus. But you know what? Jesus and sin don't go together. Jesus, Judas for us, at least it, for me it was, it's a good reminder. You will never truly accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior until you choose to internalize His words and realize that you need Him. You will never get any farther than that until you bring it in, until you make it a, that you need Jesus. That you need him. And that, that you need him. 
See, Jesus had the opportunity to internalize everything he, he heard. He's seen and experienced with Jesus. But he made a choice. Putting his faith somewhere else. Judas could have returned back to Jesus. Just like the other apostles did. And would have been forgiven. But instead, realizing his sin and betraying, look what he does. Judas went to the chief priest to find his forgiveness. He wanted to give the money back. He went to him to find his forgiveness. But his faith was misdirected toward the priest and not toward Jesus. But instead of realizing his sin, and he decided to go there. What happened was Judas had no hope because then he chose to put his faith somewhere else where he could not get any help and where it would never get any help there and the help that he needed. Only Jesus could do that. So Jesus tragically took his life. I wonder if God says, what a life that was wasted. That's what happened. A life that was wasted because he had every opportunity can you imagine the story if Judas could have told the one who betrayed Jesus was forgiven? But that wasn't the choice that he made. Why? Because he couldn't see that Jesus mattered. Choices have consequences. I think we all will agree there, both positive and negative. But one choice we can all make Return to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. That was the difference between Peter and Judas. They both had choices. Peter chose wisely by returning to the Lord. Judas chose poorly by not returning to the Lord. The Peter demonstrated that his faith mattered and chose to trust and obey Jesus. Judas did not. Sometimes we all struggle with our faith. Life is hard. And sometimes maybe that's what's causing our faith to weaken a little bit. Because life is hard. It, maybe it's because your heart's broken. You, you're, your faith is wavering and it's slipping away because your heart is broken. Or maybe it's a death. I wonder how many deaths out there that's caused people to walk away because they hurt and they wanted God to take care of their situation and yet they passed away. It was their time. And, and yet they, their faith started wavering. Maybe a lot of times the older you get, we sit in front of TVs and we're watching the news and maybe all of a sudden our, you know, we're seeing for a long time our country is in a mess. And we're wondering, where are you at, God? This is a great country. Where are you at? And your faith is certainly, or maybe what it is, it's just you haven't closed your eyes to the world. You know, the world is going to do everything it can to pull you and me away from Jesus Christ. 
That's what, that's, that's what Satan wants. You know, he wants me to be around all these other people that are not as active in Christ. He wants me to do all these things. He wants me to see I need to be busy. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. Jesus want, or Judas wants us to be away. And what it does, it starts, the, the farther you stay away or the longer you, you stay away, it starts impacting your, your faith. As I close this up this morning, I'm reminded what God told Joshua. I'm a big Joshua fan. What God told Joshua. This is what he said. He said this many times. He says, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Do not let my words depart from you. They were the words that Joshua chose that he would believe in and live his life. Why? Because God mattered to him. And so he wanted everybody else to experience the same thing he does. So what does he say? In Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 15, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Now Joshua's telling everybody this. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates rivers and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But listen to who Joshua made it clear who he's, he was following, who his faith was in. But as for me, my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, there's a lot of places that we can put our faith. And today, I mean, there is a lot of places. My hope this morning is to remind us there is one place that we will receive hope, that we will receive peace, that leads to a fulfilled life, an eternal life. That is, faith in Jesus is the only choice that we need to make every day that matters. I want to thank you for the opportunity to allow me to come up here and share some thoughts. I think we're going to have a prayer and a song after this. Thank you. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.